Greetings from Lausanne. I'm very happy today to be joined by Mr. Takeshi Ninami, the CEO of Suntory Holdings. Ninami-san asked me to address him as Tak, and so I will do so in the next few minutes. Tak, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, President Mansoni. Very, very brief introduction on Suntory Group. I think of you as one of the largest companies in the world in the spirits industry, but from what I've been able to see, the spirits side is less than 50% of your revenues. And then I think of you as a group that's growing globally, but with still a very strong base in Japan, which still makes a little bit more, I think, than 50% of your revenues. Is that a fair summary? Yes, it's pretty fair. We are now trying to be more globalized, putting more resources to overseas markets like Asia, North America, and Europe. But still, we are a pretty small player comparing to Nestle, Coke. But uh, in the area of uh, spirits, we are number three in the world because of the acquisition of Beam, now called Beam Suntory. Tag, you've been CEO of Suntory Holdings for seven years. You were the first CEO coming outside of the family. The family had founded the business back in the 19th century. Before joining Suntory, you had already had a very successful career. You'd been president of CEO of Lawson, Japan's second largest convenience store chain for more than a decade. And also you had ran a hospital food joint venture between Mitsubishi and, and Sodexo. So let me immediately get to Suntory Holdings because of course, in Japan, extremely well-known company, and, and some of us in the rest of the world also having heard of the company, but what we may not be aware of is the philosophy and the tradition of the company, which I know is quite significant and quite well thought through. So can you please comment on the philosophy of the company, the purpose, and this tradition that you joined a number of years ago? When I joined the Santori, I thought that... Uh... What is the core value of Suntory? That is carried over 120 years from uh, the founder, Shinjiro Tori. We call the founder's spirit. So from the beginning of Suntory, the founder always uh, took care of the society, community. And the community gives us always uh, everlasting business opportunity. So we have to live with the community. So give back to society is the first and the foremost. That's why we could survive through the uh, difficult times because of the huge support from the community. So those uh, ideas uh, from the founder are very important for me too as CEO, even though I'm from outside. So always uh, we think to start from uh, giving back to society. What's wrong we are doing? And we have to be transparent. We have to communicate with our society, frankly, and get the feedback from society and take action. Everything starts from the founder's spirit. That's Suntory. And I like it. That's why I joined Suntory. Tell us about the challenge, as you saw it, of becoming the first non-family member to become the CEO, and tell us also about some of the key decisions that you made, some of the key ideas that you decided to put into place in order to be successful in that situation. I've been uh, 
working with the uh, incumbent chairman, Saji, who is uh, from the family. We've been uh, doing business together. Lawson then was one of the big clients of Suntory. But uh, beyond that relation, we talked about lots of things for five years. And he convinced me the value of Suntory. And I decided to join Suntory because of him, because of his stories about uh, Suntory for more than 100 years, why Suntory continued to do business. And the reason why is pretty simple, to be always with the society. And that idea attracted me so much. So I joined. But I didn't know anything about the family business, even though Suntory is a huge. But a family-owned business is totally, completely different than Lawson, which was listed at the Tokyo Stock Exchange. First of all, long-term, it's obvious. But based on their strong mindset to keep their value, core value, which is found as a spirit. But I started to learn that value in detail by talking to even the rank and file plus corporate executives and even clients so that I got to know the value. So I was a very much a good student and I was a spearhead to talk about the value of founder's spirit to those companies which Suntory acquired. And as well as the, I think, revisiting effect for Japanese employees as well. The founding spirit was more or less uh, kind of, I mean, just air or water, kind of taking it for granted. But uh, we revisited the value again. Together with the uh, core management, the people, we have to think about again, go back to the basic. Because we uh, had acquired Beam and how to go into the successful integration. So we redefined the value of the founding spirit together with the other people, obviously including the founding families too. So what I'm hearing is, look, I spent a lot of time learning the tradition. I spent a lot of time uh, embedding myself and, and really understanding where they were coming from. And, and then I also engaged all these parties in a revisiting, in a maybe modernization of, of this heritage. So let's keep the principles, but then let's somehow reinvent some of the practices and some of the words that we use. Is that a fair way of characterizing what you did? Exactly. That was, uh, I think, welcome by all of the uh, senior management people. The reason is uh, we invested uh, hugely to the U United States company which is called a beam, because we spent as much as $16.5 billion. So this acquisition created and shared the crisis feeling because we were heavily debted. And then it was more or less easier for me to raise attention to the going back to basic. 
like a founding spirit. Let's think about what if Shinjiro Tori is a founder? What he would do if this happened? I'm hearing two things. Again, I'm hearing it's about going back to the principles and saying, I'm still aligned with the founder's perspective, but what would he say today? How would he phrase it today? And then I'm also hearing, I took advantage of this big acquisition, which A, forced us to ask ourselves, what are we going to tell the beam people? How do we describe our philosophy? But also, we're raising the performance requirements because of the debt. So I think this is something that clever leaders do. They use circumstances to help accelerate their agenda. Totally agree. That's right. And that's why I created a corporate university. That's called the Suntory University. And I brought the senior management from Beam to Tokyo. And I created the opportunity for both parties, Japanese unit and uh, American unit, to work together to learn what it means. I mean, founders' spirit, what it means. They visited natural water sanctuary, for example, to feel it. What is the feel of the giving back to society? And they learned the history of uh, lots of uh, innovations and a lot of failures. But uh, what is the value of the failures and uh, successes from history? Working together. And that created lots of dialogue between two parties. And then those senior management went back to states and they talked about what they learned and they felt through the experiences with the Santori in Japan. And uh, they became the evangelists to talk about the value of Santori. So it's not straightforward. It's through their experience. So automatically, they started to make Beam, Beam Santori. But it took us uh, more than three years. And we sent some people, not to the senior management, to the middle management. I wanted to ask you if you sent people to the U.S., but you said not at the top, at middle management. I found that the middle management in the United States company like Beam, more or less, you know, kind of weaker than our structure. But the middle management is a big trigger to do something new, to bridge between senior management and the rank and file, right? So those people became the uh, leaders to do something new, to change the culture of Beam. Because Beam was listed when we acquired, and then they listed. In our structure, they are all the same. More or less, uh, we call Gemba, production, quality production site, and uh, commercial. They are above the headquarters function because they are touch point of, with the uh, consumers. They are producing good quality. Without those uh, efforts, we can't make money. We can't uh, continue our business. So the order should be upside down. So we sent the middle management to production quality and the commercial to support those people. And uh, we gave our message. Hey, you guys are foremost everything for us to create businesses and uh, 
continue our businesses instead of the uh, headquarters in Chicago. There was a huge tension between Tokyo and uh, Chicago, by the way. But uh, that's our culture. Tak, one question I have to ask. So, clearly, I sense, of course, this incredible Suntory connection with nature, giving back to society. One of the elements you have in your strategy is growing for good. And of course, part of what you do also is alcohol, which is a product that has a number of benefits, but also a number of regrettable side effects. How do you deal with that aspect? That's uh, another great question. We believe that uh, we have to rely on our effort to reduce the uh, economy class of spirits uh, beverage, which means we've been shifting toward the uh, premiumization. So less drinking, less amount of alcohol, but uh, more relaxation, more comfortable drinking by drinking great brands. So Jim Beam itself is more or less standard, but uh, we've been trying to premiumize because of the potential to upgrading its quality, for example. So less drink, but uh, we can enjoy more than uh, revenue we've got before. So that's our strategy. Now, let me move to the, this notion of purpose. So clearly, you, are, you have been active and the company had been active in terms of uh, managing your own footprint on the environment. And we discussed already water and plastics. More generally, you have been advocating a new form of capitalism. You've been saying, look, the world as, as we know it clearly has generated a lot of wealth and prosperity, and, and that has had positive effects all over the world. Hundreds of millions of people have been lifted out of poverty, but clearly this global capitalism has also generated a number of dysfunctions and I think by all accounts today is not ecologically sustainable and probably also not socially sustainable. So please share with us your views on this new capitalism that you're advocating. I wonder and I asked myself if uh, capitalism is uh, in danger or not. Is that the right system? Yes, you're right. It's been creating inequality in our society, in many countries, and uh, a byproduct of uh, conventional capitalism created a huge inequality, social divide. Even now in Japan, that's been uh, going on. So we have to fix it. I think it's a right time because we started to talk about the sustainability, how to live with this great globe, with the uh, abundance of nature, but uh, it's been uh, under challenge. So new capitalism is to redistribute wealth and uh, less use of uh, natural resources of uh, this world. So how to align both less resources and how to redistribute wealth 
to those who are in um, poverty. I think those are measures we have to do to fix the capitalism. I believe the value of capitalism is uh, sustained by freedom of uh, expression and thought. That is uh, vital to keep innovating and to keep our life together with the you know, nature. People got to do something together for the sake of the world to be saved by our concerted effort. Beyond the discussions about the general system, there's also an increasing urgency for the world, particularly to reduce its carbon footprint. In our country, Japan, we completed the, the program to replenish twice as much as we used. And we are now taking this program to other countries where we produce our products. And uh, giving back to society as a one of uh, giving back to society projects, not only the greenhouse emission gas emitting uh, you know, reduction programs, but uh, we think much of uh, our circular economy, like uh, plastics. That's a huge headache, as a matter of fact. But uh, we know that uh, PET bottles, we call uh, plastic bottles, that is hurting ocean. And uh, it's a really, you know, um, huge issue. In terms of uh, biodiversity, that creates a danger to humankinds, not only humankinds, but also other species. We brought uh, new technology from Adventure in the United States, and uh, we are now working on the application of the technology to produce plastic components from wasted plastics, for example. So we brought the partners across the industry, sometimes from our competitors, to work together to make that happen. And the technology will be transferred to ASEAN countries in the near future so that we can work together to resolve ocean pollution together. So those actions are already have been done and uh, creating performance. And uh, we are so afraid of being called uh, greenwashing. So that's why action oriented is our motto. And it's, uh, it's been uh, our historical idea. That is always we have to try and we have to get things done. That's uh, one of founders' spirit of Santori. One last question on this particular aspect. How easy or how difficult is it to cooperate with competitors? Because what you mentioned here is part of the solution in many industries. It's difficult for each of us to act, but if we manage to create enough coordination within an industry, then we can achieve more. That's a great question. 15 years ago, we worked with Japan Coke to collect uh, used uh, plastic bottles together with uh, Japan's Coke. Instead of asking the uh, municipalities to work with us, it didn't take a lot of time because both parties, Coke is number one, Suntory number two. We thought that uh, this is not the turf for us to compete together. And good competition is always price cut and uh, 
uh, innovative uh, you know, action to compete. This part is our own, own turf. So 15 years ago, already we've done. And now we brought the Asahi beer to work together for the sake of the uh, application of plastic sustainability program. So I think because of the uh, huge awareness toward the uh, sustainable world, I think uh, it's uh, much easier nowadays. A few questions about you. As it turns out, you did your MBA at the time and the place where I happened to do my PhD. So we could have met there. We didn't at the time, but we could have. Uh, concretely, you did your MBA at Harvard Business School, 89 to 91, which were probably some of the heydays of the liberal, capitalistic, go-go, private equity, KKR sort of world. First question for you, how big of a shock was it when you arrived from Japan into that world? Japan was enjoying prosperity at that time. So there was no shocking moment for me. However, I was so surprised that money making was uh, not under the uh, ethics, more or less. After a few years since I graduated from uh, B school, I think an Enron shock happened, led by many Harvard graduates. And I was not shocked, I was not amazed because what we learned is we have to buy cheap and sell high. <laughs> I thought that before going there, ethics and greed should work together. Greed means, you know, always animal spirit is needed for innovation, and uh, that creates something valuable. To some extent, I think it's needed. But on the other side, ethics. So how to balance, align, it's integrity of a general manager, CEO. And of course, within Suntory, there is a strong focus on integrity, which is connected to the spirit of the founder, I guess. Exactly. We believe a long-term commitment to society means integrity of people, leaders of the company, and that creates a, a sustainable business, which means a healthy business. And longevity is everything. For the sake of our employees, their families, and how to uh, live together forever, which means we should be appreciated by society. That's Santori. I am the evangelist of the founding spirit, and I'm seen by everybody. I have to represent the uh, value of the company, even though I'm from outside of the family. That's my mission. So value sometimes does not stay easily. Sometimes that goes away because of difficulties and people tend to feel, wow, we have to do this and that with a huge panic. But always they have to watch their leader. And that leader shows integrity based on the core value of the company. And uh, that's my way to be a leader of the company. I've been CEO for almost close to 30 years. And always I'm finding 
that's an imminent role. You have to show the value of the company. You are the guy. You have to be the person to always represent the value of the company. That's a huge pressure. Uh, in front of uh, our people, I have to play as a main actor. Behind the scene, I'm so exhausted. <laughs> With my family, I'm very tired. And my family knows I'm playing a key role as a main actor in front of people. But once uh, I'm away from uh, the stage, I show I'm so exhausted. I'm a humankind. <laughs> but this is such an important point that you're making, Tag, because very often people say CEOs must be authentic. But authentic sometimes means that I would be authentically bad-tempered or authentically tired. And the organization does not need the CEO to be authentically bad-tempered or authentically tired. So being authentic as a CEO means being authentic, being connected to the values, but it requires managing one state. And this is, I think, a very important point that you make. Tak, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to be with us. And I look forward to being able to travel to Japan and see you there or maybe in some other location. Thank you again. And all the best to you. Thank you very much for this uh, opportunity. I enjoyed uh, talking with you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. To hear more such interviews as soon as they come out, click subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to this. You can also find a range of forward-thinking analyses, business intelligence and insights in our new magazine and content ecosystem called I by IMD. You will be able to register by clicking in the link that appears in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening and until next time.